Hello. Hey, John. Merlin, man. How's it going? <clears throat> Remember when we used to do a podcast? Um, I think I do. Yeah. It was back in the 80s. <laughs> I, have to apolo- I have to apologize. <laughs> uh, you're eating a Snickers bar. I'm eating a Snickers bar. <laughs> you know... Time, we, time is of the essence. And I, when we do you this know. podcast in the morning, sometimes I'm eating a morning cookie or a morning cake. No, but, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see this to you. This is, we're on your time now. This is night. We are night podcasting. Here's the problem. Mm. Oh, God. The nougat. I know. The nougat. Um, Don't get me started. <laughs> For our listeners, uh, I, you know, they'll have to be the judge. Yeah. About whether there's a difference, but we usually record in something closer to the morning, my time, mm-hmm. but it's, it's literally <laughs> the middle of the night right now. <laughs> it's the middle of the night and we were texting Yeah, and you said, yeah, I'm we're here. trying to make a plan to podcast. Yeah. You're like, Oh, we could do it Friday or we could do it sun Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, you said, or we could do it right now. Yeah. I'm agile. You know, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I said, "I said what?" But John, John, you've been you've been busy, you've been working, and I'm and so you're busy. home. I figured you would, you know, need some time to unwind. And I'm home, but here's the thing: this is the thing about manic depression. This mm. is the thing about bipolarism, <laughs> which is <laughs> that I am, I have been working for the last month, and I am so wound up now. <sighs> And I'm not talking about like wound up tonight. I'm talking about I am bipolarly, I am manically wound up <laughs> so that if you said to me right now, get in your car and drive to San Francisco, I would seriously consider it. Really? If you said, if somebody called me right now and said, let's get married tonight, <laughs> I, I would not even need them to send me a picture. I would say, you know what? Let's get let's get married tonight. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's start a band. Just give me a give give, give me an address and I'll be there. Yeah, I got yeah. home last night from a month away. Oh God! I did three shows last weekend in New York City that were like all three of them crazy. And then I ca- I got home last night at, at like ten o'clock at night, and I was on morning television this morning at nine a.m. And then I spent all day at REI making fake videos for people. Hmm. And then I went to a Christmas party, and then I went out for drinks, and I don't even drink. No. John, that, just, that, that, that's remarkable. That's, uh, how do you do that? I mean, and now I'm went, at home, and I'm looking at pictures of turtles on the internet. Hmm. And it's just not enough. <laughs> I mean, you right. know, there was a time, even a few months ago, Merlin, you know that I would have, that looking at pictures of turtles on the internet would have been like a week for me. That would have been, I would have been done. But but tonight it's not enough. It's not enough, right? Now. I apologize. You know, can I just apologize for the nougat? No, <laughs> the I'm nougat's still, giving uh, something for my mm. ears to grab onto. Ah, I'm still working through the nougat. Mm. I hear it in your mouth. My God, this is fantastic, John. So so you've been away for a month. That's remarkable. So so were you in that uh, coach with uh, with Jonathan and his uh, retinue the whole time? Well, you know, it started a month ago, as I as I said earlier. I was in I was in Europe with Keen on their tour bus, and I don't sleep well on tour buses because mm-hmm. tour buses are a tour bus is just a regular bus 
that has had coffins installed in it. <laughs> And, a, and some couches. It's a sarcophagus. So, yeah. So they take a normal bus and they put they put like five sarcophaguses in it. And I am not, as you know, I am not normally sized. And so you're you're plus sized. I'm plus sized. So when they're building these, when they're building a sarcophagus, they say average size guy five foot. Well, six. especially in Europe, you've bought European suits. You know they're very tailored. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the Keen, Keen's from England, is that right? Yeah, they're from Inglang, as we say. Mm-hmm. Inglang, and they had, and so we we, but we didn't, we never went to 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 Inglang. We were in Scotland, and we were in Ireland Oof. together. Uh, and I got sick over there, and I didn't sleep. And then I flew to San Francisco, and I played Neil Diamond in the Last Waltz. And I didn't sleep in San Francisco either. I just lay in my expensive hotel bed, and I sweated. I just sweated. Were you, were you like feverish? I was feverish. Did you have a, a stress bump? I did not. I had a. I had a. I, I had. I had so much fever that a stress bump couldn't survive. You had an honest to god, according to Hoyle, fever. I was so feverish and sweaty in San Francisco that uh, there were, you know, there were clubs in the Castro that wouldn't even that wouldn't even let me come in there and pay fifty dollars to sweat on people. <laughs> Which is, as you know, a big thing in the Castro. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. you know, a big, hairy, sweaty guy in the Castro is usually a major draw. Hmm. But I was so hot. I was so hot, I would have burned people's britches. Did you, did you like, see things? Where, I mean, like, you know, like, when, I get, a fev- when I get a fever, I, uh, like, a really bad one. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to say I hallucinate, but I, I definitely get a lot of crazy thoughts. I kept seeing Eggs Benedict show up in my hotel room, and then I realized I was ordering it from room service. Uh-huh. So then I flew from San Francisco to San Diego, where I met Jonathan Colton and his traveling retinue, and we drove across the American South in his tour bus. And then I flew to New York City, and I did a bunch of NPR shows, and I you know, went on a further rampage and by the time i got back here i realized that i'm in no condition to be in seattle there's not there's not a there is no 24-hour roast beef sandwich depot here (laughs) and i am i'm just sitting here now looking at turtles on the internet and i'm 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 concerned so tomorrow yeah so tomorrow i'm going i'm doing a video shoot and the people who are putting on the video shoot have promised me that there is not only going to be a live reindeer at this video shoot where I am playing Santa, but there is also going to be a real-life camel. <laughs> and then that is enough. That is enough for me tomorrow. Like, that, that, that alone on my calendar feels like, okay, that's enough for tomorrow. Are you, you pretty I, sure that's real, that part? If, if I sing, because I'm supposed to be dressed as Santa, I'm supposed to sing a song with the ukulele, and the suggestion has been made that I'm going to sing the song to the camel. Are you sure? And if that happens, Are I'm you not sure? sure. Is that on the call sheet? You hear the doubt in my voice, but if it I happens, do, I, I hear you. I hear you pausing on the word camel and camel. ukulele and thinking, "Is this eggs Benedict?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if it happens, uh huh. Tomorrow, then tomorrow, I'm going to put a little check mark next to you. And this I'm might gonna... literally be the biggest month of your life yet. <laughs> and then the next day, of course, is my big day where I play Santa Claus and all the dirty girls come and sit and, and tell me what they. Tell me all the bad things they did, and then I give them a little swat. 
is it is it a form of absolution in some ways? I mean, like you know, like a you know mutual uh, consensual absolution. Mm. You know, I've seen I see you now on Twitter talking to my friend the. Uh, the oh, Benedict, I was talking uh, to the to the, the bra monk, to the, the Dominican bra. Yeah. Dominican bra, and I and I feel like now this concept of flagellation and absolution yeah. it's it's in the air now. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to we need to settle back down. We need to stop talking to priests on the internet. <laughs> even even young hip priests that watch YouTube videos, we need to get back to our core values, Merlin. <laughs> you and me, which yeah, is talking you know, about Macintosh products. You, you know what you need? Uh, gosh, you know, like I know you're not, not a big comics reader, but like you need a oh, like a. <laughs> we're only we're only it's, it's literally it's literally it's literally midnight, and I'm so angry. You're you're already prescribing me some X Men. <sighs> You're like, you know what you need? Here's the thing, John. You need not de- detox, but you need some kind of a DMZ. You need to pass through some kind of a zone. You know what I mean? You Because the thing is, I'm not sure going from all of the madness you've been through and the fevers and the eggs straight back to your home is the best thing. I mean, thank God the tr- you know, turtles are there, right? But but oh. you, you, need, you need to pass through some area where you can like burn that off, right? Well, this is what I'm worried about uh, 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 because I don't want to go. You know, when you are when you are manic, you don't want to go back to depressed. No, you want to stay in manic because manic is great. Even though, even though I'm literally sitting here burning the leg hair uh, off of my leg with a lighter. I like this. I like this, John. Like you don't you don't want to put this John. This is back fun, John. This is yeah. fun. You put this John back in a sarcophagus and you bring up. <laughs> Bummer John, again, who's like, oh, all these books that I'll never read. Globes. Oh, all the lips I'll never kiss. Yeah. Who wants that guy around? Have you ever thought about passing through Vegas? It seems like Vegas, like, you go in there and it's, 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 a, it's an energy sink. You could go to Vegas. It's not a fun place to be, contrary right. to popular opinion. But mm. you could go to Vegas and it could really take the mickey out of you. You come home, you relax, you water your plants, and you go to sleep like a gentleman. I... Las Vegas. It's the worst. Is the is <laughs> it's absolute, the worst. It's absolutely the worst, and it's the worst in a way that I am incapable of enjoying. I mean, you know, I enjoy the terrible things. Yeah, but there's nothing about Las Vegas that I can even i can I cannot winch myself into a posture where I'm enjoying myself. How do you feel in a casino? I, I feel I feel like. Like there are spiders crawling on me. I feel menaced. I re- I really do. I feel uh, it's it, it <clears throat> like the strip club with the ladies that want to talk to you. I just feel like it's just it's all everyone can do to not just like attack me for money. And and it's just there's the and we talked about this. You know you know about like how all the slot machines and everything are like all tuned to C. They're playing like arpeggios it's crazy making, but here's the thing: for a man like you, who who is cycling in a, a, a very uh, proactive way, you know that could be a good place to burn it off a little bit. Maybe you go to some shows. But here's the problem: I have too much empathy for desperate people, oh. and so I walk through the thing, and I cannot take any enjoyment because I, I because everywhere I look, there is someone who is putting literally their last quarter in a machine, mm-hmm. and then watching all their hope drain away. Do, do you want and to reach smoking deep? a cool? Oh. <laughs> and I don't. And it just, it's like, it's all over me. It's all over me like rancid butter. I, I, do, I do, you want to, do you feel like you want to reach out to them? Do you want to like help? Well, I, I, I do, but I want to help them. I mean, 
you know, I want to help them like Mengele wanted to help people. Yes. Science, <laughs> like science. I want to use science. Right. I want to use science to, to put them in tubs let, of ice me, water and let, see how cold they can get. Twins. You, it's, you, not a, it's not a healthy desire to let's help. Let's see which twin thrives. You're, you're, you're saying you want to get out there and say, look, you're not in a good place right now. Right. Right? How would you like to run an obstacle course? Listen, I know you have emphysema. You can ride a roller coaster or go to a mall. (laughs) I know you have emphysema. How would you like to go to the buffet with me and let's see how much you can eat? I mean, literally, how much you can, how much you can actually, like like a seven type situation. Like, see how much spaghetti you can really put down. Exactly. How much of your body can you cut away with a knife right now? You're not done yet, Sally. I'm, and I worry for myself. Have, I worry, have another I, Napoleon. Sit down. You know, when I get in these manic phases, I start to I start to talk to people like I really can do magic, <laughs> real magic. Not not like has, not like has this happened in the, in the in oh the, in for the, the last three weeks? I've been talking to people like I can do magic, and every once in a while, somebody totally believes me, and then I know then I know that the two of us are going to go uh, go ride the subway together. <laughs> How does that evidence itself? I mean, do, do, do you see, see someone who needs help? Do they reach out to you, or do you just you just sense that someone needs needs a little bit of John? You know, I'm just I'm swinging through life on a vine, and uh, and and uh, and then somebody answers my monkey call. <laughs> you know, oh, 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 this is a terrible him. idea. Why do we do this? Here I come. Here yeah, I come. yeah. I oh, see Las, La- Las Vegas is one of those things. It's it's it's. It, it's difficult to describe like Las Vegas is what you end up using as an analogy for something else because it's it's hard to describe like how perfectly awful it is in in, in so many ways it's yeah. it's just it's the worst of everything about people and america the top the the best thing about Las Vegas is the worst best thing yeah and the and the lowest most degraded place in Las Vegas is the worst of all places it's like an existential compressor limiter yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, There's, kind of. I mean, like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's very poorly calibrated, but I mean, the fact that, like, you know, I arrived, I forget it's a, it's about. a low pass filter. Like, all, all of life's highs are just eliminated. You do, and a, roll, you, you do a roll off. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, that's right. All you get is fart yeah. sounds. <laughs> you know, it's just well, like heavy breathing and fart sounds. The thing that strikes me is I, I, I've been to Las Vegas maybe like three times or, and, and Reno and gambling locations. But Las Vegas in particular, you arrive there and it's like, oh, it's so exciting. And it's, there's just so much going on. It's like Disney World and you go there and there's slot machines and everything's exciting. And like the part that always strikes me is that like that there's slot machines by the terminals in the airport. And there's like people, there's people like playing the slots and like the same thing that I go, oh, this is, I arrive, I got my carry on, I get off and I go, oh, this is exciting. It's Las Vegas. People are playing slot machines. And then when I'm leaving, I'm like, fuck, it's Las Vegas. People are playing slot machines. It's, you know what I mean? That very same thing. It's just, it's. It's it it, it it is a total bring down for me. Like two days in Las Vegas, and I'm ready to go. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. The only thing that interests me about Las Vegas is those unmarked 727s that fly out of the Las Vegas airport to Area 51. Seven. Those things I'm fascinated by. You know, there's a special there's a special terminal at the Las Vegas airport where the airplanes have no exterior markings of any kind. I'm sorry, kind. just as a side note, is this definitely like a thing, or is this oh, like this a, is John, a, real it's thing. a fever thing? No, 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 this is a real thing. Okay, okay. Air, they, they are they are jumbo jets. 
not jumbo jets, but they are medium-sized jets, mm-hmm. commercial airliners, yeah. but they have no markings of any kind. Mm-hmm. And people get on them, <laughs> and they fly into the desert because that's the only way you can get to Area Fifty-One. They don't. You, there's no. There's no. They don't let you drive there. It's not a shuttle. Right? It's not a shuttle. You don't like. You don't show up and like show your ID card at Area Fifty-One because Area Fifty-One doesn't exist. Mm. So the only way you can get there is from the Las Vegas airport, and there are these airplanes that don't have any markings that just shuttle people back and forth to all these secret military bases in the Nevada desert. And that fascinates me. Well, I would it, sit with binoculars and watch that happen all day. Well, like, in as much as you can say, like, what kind of credentials do you show to get even near one of those planes? How, who, who goes? Is it shield agents? Like, uh, who goes on those? Well, I have to imagine that, uh, that most of the people... Most of the people are just like government cogs, right? I mean, if they are conducting alien autopsies at Area 51, mm-hmm. they're not doing it like like in a Good Morning America situation with a window in Times Square. They're mm-hmm. probably doing it in a basement room somewhere. And most of the other people there are just pushing brooms or they're, you know, they're, they're toggling knobs or they're rewriting encryptions or whatever it is that people in secret military... Well, and this is the thing about government, is that when we, when we again, we talk about the government, like it's this big, you know, uh, this big wad of stuff, and really it's a bunch of people with boring jobs, right? By and yeah, large, if you're, exactly. not, if you're not an operative, like you're, if you're an operative, a lot of what you do is sitting there with binoculars, like waiting for something to change. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people that, 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 that live in Las Vegas, they fly to Area 51 on a secret military jet, and they get there... And what they do all day is they twiddle their space pen in, in between their fingers and they watch one gauge to make sure that it doesn't go into the red. You know, hmm. they're just like they're just dopes. They're regular dopes. I can't believe you don't read, read comics. And so and so you watch you watch one gauge and you're saying that this could be an energy change. It could be psionics. Hmm. I, you know, if they are if they are monitoring psionics with gauges there, I bet you the guy watching the gauge doesn't know what the gauge measures. I bet they're just like, don't let it go into the red. If Plausible it does hit, deniability. Hit you bring in a gauge guy rather than a psionic guy. Exactly. The psionic yes. guy isn't watching the gauge. He's back in D.C. and nobody guy. knows his name. Exactly. God, that must drive you crazy. You're sitting there and you're watching these unmarked planes take off. That must drive you bananas. It does. It drives me crazy because I know out there in the desert they really are working on something. I don't know what it is. Oh, no question. Yeah, but they're working on something, and the fact and the fact that it's out. And I'm not alone in it driving me crazy. I mean, it doesn't no. keep me up at night like some kooks. But <laughs> you got other things to keep you up at night. You know what? You got turtles. I gotta, I'm you worried got t- that my pillows are turning into owls. I'm not worried about <laughs> secret airplanes so much or chemtrails. Here's the thing, John. I mean, let's be honest. All up in his Las Vegas. It, it's already a little bit of a black swan. Like, what, why the fuck is Las Vegas there? I guess it was a stop off for troops, right? Because it was near well, like a rail line, right? And they, you know, they built that dam right down the road, and a lot of there were a lot of guys coming up from building that dam and spending their money in the tent city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, where there are guys building a dam, they're going to be hookers. Yes. That's as, that's as old as, as Cheops. <laughs> that's thirsty work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Build a dam, uh-huh. the hookers are going to follow. Find a hooker, sure. And then right after that, there's the, you know, then there's gaming, then the gaming commission. Gaming. I love that term. Gaming. But here's the thing, John. Nobody's going to fly into a desert for no reason. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like, you've told us it is costly to gas up a plane and take it somewhere. Not gas, but you know, fuel a plane and take it someplace, right? I would even say gas. Yeah, but you're not gonna do that just for fun. 
if, if you're going to make that like a regular thing, there's a reason. There's some kind of a process in place there. And I'm just guessing as a man with a mind as active as your own, you, you must be turning that over in your head. You're sitting there, you're, you're, you're looking at the uh, details magazine and thinking about the things that you're seeing. Here's the problem, though. I agree with you 100% until I think about my own father who routinely gassed up his plane and flew circles in the sky for no fucking reason. He flew Appar- circles apparently, in the sky. Apparently, apparently. He, he was just giving you, you know, I, I would go up with him and I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking at the map. And I'm like, yeah, I know you're looking at the map, but why are we, why are we 6,000 feet in the air? Was he practicing? No, he's been flying since he was 20. Hmm. He's 70 years old. He knows how to do it. No, hmm. he just likes to gas up the plane and go fly. And maybe the, maybe the Air Force is the same. Maybe they aren't really running secret ops. Maybe they're just, maybe they're just, dicking around so maybe Las maybe Vegas, they're playing grab ass maybe the entire u.s air force is just a game of grab ass yes but it's a really strategic grab ass so mm-hmm. so maybe las vegas is a kind of distraction i mean obviously on any number of levels but you get everybody looking over here hey look over here it's a pyramid uh, made out of blackjack but <laughs> but don't look over here right because that's where the real action is well so okay so i so so i was pretty fine with i was pretty i was pretty okay with believing that whatever ufos were it didn't matter i didn't care mm-hmm. and i was driving down the road today and i've been I, I you know for the last four years i have pretty much been okay with the idea that whatever ufos are i don't know and i don't care i really don't care i don't i'm not going to vote one way or the other i am i am reasonably convinced either way that either yes they are real or no they're not which is the same as how I feel about God. I was going to say, you did Pascal's is, UFO wager. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's exactly. like if they're there, like if, I, if I'm going to, they're, they're unidentified for a reason. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're, they're, you know, I, I'm, am I going to sit in an airport and argue with the Hare Krishna about Hare Krishnas? No, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm just getting on with it. Anyway, I'm driving down the street today. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm headed to uh, New Day Northwest on King 5 TV. Oof. And all of a sudden, I, I say to myself, well, wait a minute. If someone... Because... Well, let me back let me back up a little bit. When we were on tour, we went to, we went to Mission Control at Houston. Oh, yeah. I saw a cool photo of that. Yeah. Then the, we went to NASA, and we went to Mission Control. And we're walking around, and it's all very awesome. And it's, like, amazing to be there, especially because they have... They have maintained the Apollo era mission control as a kind of like living, not even living. It's just just a shrine. It just sits there and you walk in and you sit down at, at launch control and you're like, okay, or not launch control, but like, like you're sitting there where they all were for all, for everything. And you're like, it's just like, it's just the same. I'm pushing these same fucking buttons. Anyway, they tour us around. We see the we see the space station. We go out, and they they take a, our friend takes us out to the warehouse where they have all the capsules, the actual life size mock ups. And my whole life, as as we all have done, I've said, if I got the opportunity to be an astronaut, of course I would be an astronaut. Like that's the best job ever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Don't you think that same thing? Oh, I absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was at the tail end of that. I think that's something that very much started, you know, in in the in the fifties with the whole idea that there might be a space program. Like yeah. I was at the, you and I were both at the tail end, like having grown up taking photos of the television 
when Neil Armstrong, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody in their family has photos of the television screen. Yeah. And it was absolutely the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, amazing. Until you're sitting in the warehouse, really, and I'm not talking about the Smithsonian Institution where you're looking at the capsule in the museum and you're like, wow, cool. But you're at NASA and you're looking at the ones they use to train. And I looked right. in this thing and I'm like, holy shit. It's really small. To climb into that, you would have to be insane. There's you like have, there's like five things about it that would that make me uncomfortable just thinking about it. Uh, it's it it, it uh, is because like, like upside down. It's yeah. tiny, and yeah. everybody barfs, right? Well, and you're strapped onto a stick of dynamite, Ugh. and you are shot into space. And that, that that trip to the moon took a week. It took a week. Really? And they're, yes, and they're strapped into this thing that is basically the size of a bookcase. <laughs> Three guys strapped into a bookcase that on top of a stick of dynamite. That sounds way worse than Colton's bus. It is so bad. And and it's not just that they're sitting there and then there's a window. It's like they're sitting there and there's a solid steel bulkhead three inches from their face. Ugh. And they're flying in this they're flying blind in this thing for a week. And then they go into orbit around the moon and then they have to figure all that shit out. And they get down to the moon, which I'm sure was amazing. But then they get back in this little, this little tuna fish can, and they fly another week home. And I realized that I could not be an astronaut, that none of us could be astronauts, and that the very few people in the world who can be astronauts are a mutant race yeah. of people that have no f- that have no claustrophobia. They have no fear. They have no. They have no common sense. <laughs> right, they, I mean, to, to, to get into a stick of dynamite and stare at a piece of metal for a week takes a certain kind of crazy. A certain kind of crazy. That's right. They and you got to want it because there's like again, it's like it's like a being a uh, like a PA in Hollywood. There's five thousand people behind you who want the same job, and you've got to be better than all of them, like yeah. by an order of magnitude. Right, you've got to be better than all of them uh, than all of them. Of having no human characteristics whatsoever, Ugh. you can have no fight or flight mechanism. You can, or, or you, or you have to be in such, in such. I don't even believe it is. It is possible that they are in control of those things. They are just without them. They and and in that sense, I think they are amazing. I think that they are mutants the same way that that great athletes are, or great, you know, like great. They are just a kind of human being that is absolutely necessary, and I'm stunned. I was stunned to be at NASA and realize that we do not, even these mutants, we are not funding. Like, there's no money for these people to even do the thing, the, this amazing thing, which is strap themselves onto a stick of dynamite and fly through space. Like, we don't even care. We don't even care how amazing that is enough to pay them money. And you walk, you walk around NASA and, and they are really, they're duct taping shit together there. <laughs> they really are. It's hilarious. But, but anyway, so I'm driving down the road today and I'm realizing, okay, if you take those, if you take some mutants like that, some mutant human beings, and you put them in a spaceship that flies for generations, where these mutants are mating with each other in space and their bones are losing all their mass and there is no light and they are just mutating and becoming more and more. They're, they, they, and natural selection is choosing the ideal creature for this environment. Mm-hmm. 
that creature would basically look like these dumb aliens that stoners put on their on the the back windows of their cars. The grays. The grays. Like like and I started to think did we know did we start talking about this the, the these these uh what what aliens looked like before we understood that being in space reduces your bone mass like uh, at what point did the one what, is it a chicken or egg situation anyway i'm driving down the street and i'm realizing wait a minute i do believe in aliens because they look exactly like they would have to look oh they look exactly like if you took neil armstrong mm-hmm. and a, and a female neil armstrong and you put them in <laughs> mm. space and have them have babies for fifty generations, like that it would is, be like uh, cephalopods that aced physics, right? And have and have stones, right? Like like the thing the thing about alien when we talk about sending these guys to Mars, these these mutant humans, we 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 devote all this energy to treadmills and all this all this extra work that we go to to keep these navy jock pilots in good shape. While right. they fly to Mars, because we're because if they lose their bone density and they just sit there and stare at a wall with their with their big green eyes, they're going to a go crazy, oh. and they're not going to have any. They're not going to be able to come it. back. To Earth. Like like it's almost the, the humanity is a hindrance. Exactly. So you don't choose Neil. You don't choose Neil Armstrong to be an astronaut. You choose right. Neil Gaiman to be an astronaut. Right. A guy who already has no bone density. No. And who can sit and stare at a at a you know basically like a spot on the wall as long as it had some anime movie happening, and you put him in a capsule, send right. Neil Gaiman out. You're already you're already four or five generations of natural selection closer to the Greys than you are if you have to start with Neil Neil Armstrong. You know hmm. what I mean? Yeah, we're doing yeah, it. We're choose doing, the right choose, choose the right Neil. Exactly. You but, don't but, pick the uh, you don't pick hmm. the jock mutants. Right. You got to pick the one that that you know that has no interest in coming back. To but Earth. isn't isn't part of the excitement of this the sending a healthy, hearty, and hale human something H in, into space? Isn't part of it that we're sending like our jock guys into space? Don't you think? Isn't that part of why they got behind it? Is that we're going to send this specimen out there, and unlike poor little ham, we're actually going to bring this guy back. Yeah, because you know we didn't bring those monkeys back; they didn't come back intact. Yeah, believe me, I know. Leica, is that right? Leica. Well, he wasn't a monkey, but he didn't. No, come he's a, he's a dog monkey, right? Yeah, dog monkey. Maybe I maybe I used too many monkeys. <laughs> the, <laughs> the point the the point is, I think maybe that in the fifties we had this. We we still were worshiping these crew cut jocks. But we don't worship them anymore. Now we're worshiping all these nebbishy, uh, spindly little uh, twerps. Hmm. And maybe, maybe astronauts. So you're saying like guys from 4chan. Send them up. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm saying send Moot into space <laughs> and give him, Please. you know, give him some kind of like uh, computer puzzle. Give him, give him a four dimensional Rubik's cube, and say, <laughs> you know, say once a day you can jack off. And uh, and in six months you'll be in Mars, <laughs> and, and they'd be like, "Cool, cool, bra." Hmm. You know, we wouldn't need to put any treadmills on there. No, extra weight. I mean, the weight is critical. Weight is critical. Hmm. These guys and, and half those guys on Four Chan are already drinking their own piss. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to filter it. <laughs> I don't know. I just 
Uh, you know, what I don't need in my life right now, particularly being in a manic phase, yeah. is to start believing in aliens again and then worrying whenever there's a raccoon on my roof that it's just an alien in disguise. It's, it's not really as simple as believing in aliens. It's a question of like, aren't you thinking, more, I mean, if I may say, it, it seems like, it, you know, we, we have to believe there's aliens. We would have to be sure. so monumentally self-involved sure. to aliens. I mean, that's such a silly term. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, of course we believe in them. There's got to be other stuff out there. But are they, are they coming and scratching on my roof? What's, what's the role? And <laughs> why, why are they getting in? Why are they getting into your barn? Yeah. Are they disguising themselves as owls and then not understanding how owls behave enough that they come into my room and become and a pillow be, and pretend to be pillows i know like, exactly that, they are they are that is you know point, what John, that is classic studying. that is classic alien behavior because i mean you think about like you go to any planet for, okay first of all how's your mandarin you speak mine no, yeah bad. Yeah, mine too. So, so when people are like, oh, the people in uh, my neighborhood, they don't speak very good. You know, well, you know what? They speak pretty good English compared to how I speak Mandarin and Cantonese. I'm just saying, confusing a barn with a pillow is pretty good for somebody who's from another dimension. Right. Right. Exactly. Just like, like they're, they're looking down and they're like, oh, all owls. Yes. That's good. We, yeah. Okay. Good. Let's decide. Owls are wise and bring comfort. I will right. be a pillow. Yes. We will be owls. Yes. That is a good plan. And then somebody's like, well, how are we going to get in and watch, uh, watch, uh, this, uh, John Roderick to make sure that he's the emissary yeah. uh, to the humans that we, that we, uh, that we think he is. We're vetting him. That's like, well, let's uh, let's just get let's just get right in bed with them. Well, this is well trodden from the things like you know um, the right stuff and whatnot. But mm-hmm. but what's amazing about what, what you're describing is that that any of it succeeded. I mean, because because these were basically guys who wanted to drive fast cars, who yeah. got to drive fast what planes? Yep. Uh, you know, different uh, kinds of uh, airplanes and then super they, fast planes. Super fast planes. But I mean, if you think about it, it's not really, it's amazing how quickly we went from like a thing that moves pretty fast on wheels across the ground to a thing that moves alarmingly, dangerously fast across the Terran sky to like, now we're going to the fucking moon. It's yeah. amazing you could do that in 40 years. Well, and if you look at those Saturn V rockets, uh, which I did at uh, in excruciating detail, <laughs> when I was at this place, they are, you know, you, you think about like the way they make a Ford F-150. They have machines that stamp out these Ford F-150 fenders because they're making a million F-150s this year. And every, every F-150 right front fender is the same, mm-hmm. but they did not make that many Saturn V rockets. And if they did, there's no machine big enough to stamp the, you know, one quarter of the big part of a Saturn, Saturn V rocket. So you look at these things and you realize they are hand hammered. They are bespoke items. It's an artisanal rocket. It is an art of fucking sanal rocket. Mm-hmm. These guys. It's built. It's really, it's truly built to purpose. Yeah. There were guys in white short sleeved button down shirts with 15 pens and a slide rule in the front pocket, <laughs> who sat with a rubber mallet and banged this rocket together. And it's just, and you look at it and you're like, Jesus Christ, that anybody thought that you could light this thing on fire 
and go to the moon. That that the, 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 the and, and, and come back. That's that. That's the crazy part. Don't you back. think? Isn't part of it the, the coming back? That's crazy. I think so. You can you can is. attach dynamite to anything and send it somewhere, but for it to come back and be able to hug its kids is still to this day completely mind blowing to me. It's astonishing. And the thing because you thing know we're, we we're pretty know. fragile. I mean, as 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 you know, as organic life forms go, we're pretty fragile. It doesn't take that much to really fuck us up. Yeah. And and you know and and you know I have two regrets in life. I wish I learned to draw and I wish I had learned enough uh, about physics to be able to, in math, to take engineering classes because that's, that's the thing is like somebody goes, Oh, we sent somebody to the moon and you imagine not you, but, but you know, lay persons imagine a virtual slingshot where you shoot this piece of metal at -hmm. a big stone in the sky. And it's, it's so much more complicated than that because it's moving. Everything's moving. Everything's moving. Right? And, and then you get there. The sun you... is moving around the center of our fucking universe. There's <laughs> what no... are you, Ptolemy? What, what are you doing there? <laughs> there's no... There's no... There's no... Everything's moving and everything's degrading. Like, this is where entropy starts to be a dick. Because you have to account for all of these things, like what goes wrong if we lose these tiles, we get there, yeah. this happens, these redundancies, and, and, and pencil, every single thing... Every yeah yeah precisely and and everything that you add in terms of what weight drag anything anything you add you have to account for yeah. it's like I've never taken calculus but this must be like the most tricked out calculus in the world to figure out how to account for getting a hundred and eighty pound man to a celestial body and bringing him back in one piece well and I think you bring up you raise the most fascinating idea. Which is, how much easier would it have been in 1957, in 1961, to say, listen, on behalf of humanity, we need to send a man to the moon. Mm. There is no way he's ever going to make it back. But we need to do this. The man is going to go to the moon and he's going to talk to us on the radio. (gasps) I've already got it. And he's not coming back. Send a criminal. Or, or not, or, or maybe send the greatest American hero. But we will all stand there with our, we will all stand there in, uh, in front of our televisions, saluting the TV as our astronaut dies on the moon. Yeah. Like when you think about 20 years before, during World War II, we were, we as a human race, Stalin and Hitler were murdering millions of people. And burying them in shallow graves, that twenty years later we would we would consider that bringing this one guy back from space and landing him on the ground safely was of paramount importance. You know, like at what point did they? Because you know, the Soviets sent a lot of guys into space that we never heard about that never came back. <laughs> right. Or if they didn't, I'm fucking surprised you know like they sent that dog up there and nobody i mean that was just like hardy har right but but if it had not been for america i wonder whether the whether the russians would have and and by the russians i mean the soviets whether they would have whether they would have pursued a moon program or even the nazis pursued a moon program where the first 10 missions were suicide missions. 
Right. They call it the uh, file drawer effect. You ever heard that term? No. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. Uh, a little bit of a rat hole, but you know, there's this uh, part of the whole turns out culture uh, of, you know, the increasing need to publish something interesting, especially in social psychology is it's leading to more and more of what they call the file drawer effect, which is you go out and you do some research and every time you don't get the result you want, you kind of quietly move it aside until you get the result that you wanted. Uh-huh. Right. And so the uh-huh. Russians, I mean, you know, and again, it's, it's like some kind of an advanced card trick where, <laughs> or like a cold reading where like you can get something right as long as you kind of forget about all the stuff you didn't <laughs> get right. You know, right. Right. You know, all right. like is fine. Don't worry about that. Well, you think about, I mean, the, 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 the Soviet army systematically decimated the entire Polish officer corps, killed them all. Like the greatest minds of Poland, the, the the most elegant aristocratic men of Poland, all gone in a in like a poof. Well, think about all the potential astronauts. Right, right. That all the all these all these men that that uh, only fifteen years later, you know, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of trillions of rubles to get these guys back on earth you know and life human life was worth so much less 15 years before right it's a it was a it was a some kind and i wonder whether that moral leap was in response to world war one and world war two like like somehow we have to reestablish the value of human life somehow. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, alongside the superiority of the American know-how, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but think about what, what, what would that be? Probably 15, 20 years before the, for the third time, the eldest Kennedy brother, like right. what, how, why the fuck would you send him up in, in that tarted up plane and, and have him blow up? I mean, the idea of losing part of the American, you know, a money-stocracy in this, in this crazy plane accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Like, like how wasteful is that? But a part of it is also, I mean, I guess part of the Cold War, yeah, you're right. I mean, show, showing that we are able to do that, I just, uh, it just blows me away. So you, you saw no signs at all that, it's a, that, it, that it didn't happen. You're pretty sure it happened. The moon landing? Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure it happened. Okay, all right. I'm pretty sure it happened. Is that, I really they, is that what they told you to say? <laughs> I really am. There's, you know, mm-hmm. I I know how hard it is. Listen, mm-hmm. if you, I know how hard it is just to keep it a secret that you're sleeping with your friend's wife. Yes. And that doesn't involve any technology at all. Mm-hmm. That's you, complicated. You, you know, you get, a, you get a bunch of people, you get a bunch of guys who are watching gauges, you get a bunch of guys with mustaches, short white, T-shirts or short, short-sleeved yeah. white button-down shirts. Mm-hmm. They're all, you know, they're all mixing. Everybody, everybody's smoking. Everybody's smoking. They got slide rules out. They're scribbling on on pads, and 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 you're gonna you're and you're gonna fake a moon landing, and nobody's ever gonna say. It's before Facebook. I don't know. Did you see the uh, link I sent you? Did you send me a link? Yeah, um, you've probably seen this, but um... is it is it uh, is it some transsexual porn? Maybe <laughs> it's ham the monkey porn. Um, In event of moon disaster, yeah. Go ahead, and read it. Read, read the first is, paragraph there. 
On July 18th of 1969, as the world waited anxiously for Apollo 11 to land safely on the surface of the moon, speechwriter William Sapphire imagined the worst-case scenario. Oh, I have read this. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's basically what let- Sapphire wrote for Nixon to read. When yeah. we were, I mean, like, let's be honest. These guys aren't coming back. Right. That, that's monkey balls. It's crazy to think that these guys, we know how insane it is for all of these ugh, Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. It's pretty good. It's great, and it's and it's touching. And you know, you know, they expected that that these guys would would perish up there. And there's it's a note. Conceivable. There's a note at the bottom. Prior to the president's statement, the president should telephone each of the widows to be. After the president's statement, at the point when NASA ends communications with the men, a clergyman should adopt the same procedure as a burial at sea, commending their souls to, quote, the deepest of the deep, unquote, concluding with the Lord's Prayer. And so with wid- widows-to-be, what he's saying is they are alive, mm-hmm. they are on the moon, and we are basically just waiting for their air to run out. Yeah, you got a real serious David Bowie-type situation. <laughs> it's just it's so when that suck it's so like what are uh, you, i mean what are you gonna do you gonna hit another golf ball guy <laughs> gonna, let's that, take some more snapshots you know what i'm gonna move the flag i'll turn it upside down just to be know, a dick let's uh let's run this moon rover uh see what she can see what this baby can do really 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 open her up but then i, I don't want to start a whole thing but then isn't it kind of equally amazing that within like 10 years of that well, I guess we had the space shuttle at that point, but I mean, it didn't take that long for us to lose our zest for, for, for this amazing accomplishment that we had come up with. Arguably, one of the greatest things that humanity had ever done. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, we've done some pretty I, amazing stuff. I mean, setting aside Benjamin Franklin, there are some amazing things that people have managed to do. But this is for, – for, for Kennedy to, to get up there in whatever that was, 1961, to get up there and say – even though I have no real basis for saying this, I should have made some calls. We're going to have a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And you know, there were so many guys in white button down, short sleeve shirts, shitting themselves yeah, when he said dropping that. their pencils and yeah. going, say what? But luckily they had 14 more. Well, uh, <laughs> a lot of pencils and slide rules. We, we have, I mean, I would argue that, that putting people on the moon and bringing them home safely beats all the art made after 1902. Hmm. Can we change that to 1907? Maybe 1908? Yeah. All right. Okay. 1908. Let's, no, say, let's call it 1910. <laughs> let's say all the art and well, architecture. There's a lot of nice Picasso in there. I don't want to miss. After 19... You know what? Mm-hmm. The moon beats You know what? It. I'll trade you a Rothko. I will trade you a fucking Rothko. For a grown man on the moon who comes home any day. I will put a grown man on the moon against all Rothkos. Okay, what about a Duchamp? You you take that up against a Duchamp? All of it. Hmm. And this is what I'm saying. These guys now are working down there in Houston, which is, you know, already kind of... That's a toilet. No one should live in Houston. <laughs> come on. Come on. Really? That's the best we can do? Houston's These biggest, guys? Houston's biggest constel- uh, their, their biggest constellation is Dallas. That's really the only thing that's worse, right? I've heard Houston's uh, pretty bad. Uh, well, 
I mean, Dallas has its charm. I have Actually, friends who Houston live in too. Houston and are, are just actively like, I don't know why I'm in Houston. There's a lot to not know about why you're in Houston. But there are some, you can have some, like, for instance, right now in the middle of winter in Houston, people are sitting outside having dinner and there's a warm breeze. It's not too humid. Mm-hmm. Houston in December is like a pretty nice place. Hmm. Enjoying Velcro and Tang, Houston, space pens. Houston in 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 August yeah. is is really like being inside a dog's ass. Hmm. Like there's no, it's like being in a mouth. It's like where do you live? I live in a mouth. I live in a closed mouth. That's huh. a- that huh. doesn't sound good. It's Houston. It's a, it's, it's uh, most of Texas is because of uh, what the Alamo and oil, right? Mm. There's a lot of oil, oil-related uh, geography in well, uh, Texas. Well, yeah, but right? there are some very beautiful landscapes in Texas. You know, here's the weird thing. If you're driving across Spain, if you drive from Barcelona to Madrid, you realize why the Spanish thought Texas was a paradise. Mm. Texas looks like, uh, you know, looks like the, it basically, it looks like La Mancha, except kind of nicer. Hmm. It it uh, it rivals. What's what's wrong with Spain? Nothing's wrong with it. It's just dry, red earth with a bunch of mesas, and you kind of scratch out a you scratch out an existence. It's like a rough draft for uh, Texas. growing. You know, growing olives and wine. I mean, uh, uh. There, there's no like there's no monkeys living in Spain except for those <laughs> ones down in Gibraltar and. Who knows how they got there? It's not like it's not like Spain is lush. Fifty acorns tied in a sack. It, it looks like Texas, hmm. and the Spanish landed in Texas, and they were like, "Oh fuck, yes, we get it." To Southern California too. Hmm. You know, the, there's a reason that the Spanish did not land in Seattle and say, "Let's build some missions." Hey, you can't get a decent drink at a strip club there. Have you have you been eating? What's your eating been like lately? Have you oh, have you been trying to eat regularly? I no, mean, like, I've lost it's... I've lost twenty pounds because I because when I'm manic I forget to eat twenty pounds of what of John? Yeah, twenty pounds of all that oh, extra John that wasn't man. doing anything. It was just sitting around. Is it, was just is, is it a, a good loss or a troubling loss? Who knows? Yeah, you, know, you can't you can't poop on the bus at all. You can't. You know, no mud pickles. Mm, so you have to wait. You have to wait to poop. But you like that. You you like you like. Uh, Having to hold off. You know? I don't mind waiting to poop. No, you know I think I think those people those people that have to poop now, yeah, they're not going to make it. Mm. <laughs> they're not going to survive. Now, what about Super Train? Can you have a mud pickle on Super Train? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like Thing at is, least at least you in your poop, personal quarters. You poop on Super Train. That poop goes immediately in to the mechanism. <laughs> And all, and, and all of the all of the the essential minerals and uh, and the useful cooking oil are taken out of the poop, and all that's left is a little pile of carbon yeah. and some trace bits of silver, mercury, gold, and iodine. We're not going to throw that corn away. Absolutely not. The corn goes, <laughs> we can we can use that. The corn goes to feed the pigs that are on the back car of Super Train that are making delicious bacon for us. 
It's all you know what? I, it was not until this moment, like literally in the middle of the night, that it occurred to me that Super Train is more than a totalitarian solution. It's an ecosystem. It absolutely is right. I mean, it's 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 uh, the, you know what is it? Uh, Walt Whitman says the 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 soul is uh, self satisfying. Like you've got a train that's going to fucking take care of itself, and you better believe, brother, it is going to take care of you. That's right. Super <sighs> train is super train is an ecosystem. It is a Gaia bomb. It is also an elaborate revenge fantasy for people that don't believe in God. <laughs> uh, is there any place for the uh, for the brother? Do you think? Which oh you're talking about the priest? Well, you know about uh, memento. Or you're talking about the black man? Because <laughs> no, they're... you know about memento mori, right? You know about the idea that like there's the guy I forget which which where this happened, but there's the idea of the guy who stands next to the king, right? He stands mm. next to the king and all he does all day long and says, "What like you are mortal, you are mortal, you are mortal." Memento mori. Remember that you are going to die. Right, so you need like a court jester. Like, would it be useful? I'm just saying, for the sake of argument, it's your train. Yeah. But like, if you were to take this guy from the East Bay, who, who apparently I'm going to have beer with now, if you were to take him and make him somehow part of the super train system, what is the role of of the brother for you? Because it seems to me that, that he might be useful to you as as a kind of as a kind of moral check, or as a kind of. <sighs> I got I got as many consigliaries as I can handle on the yeah, super. Yeah, do, do you have a wartime consigliere? Every single, you know, I just got off of a tour, and every single town I went into, there were forty guys lining up, offering their services as like knight errant for super train <gasps> for real. Oh yeah, they're, John, they're, has this gone viral? Is this something where, where are people aware of how important this is going to be? Are people uh, approaching you? I mean, are they are they are they are they, are they they're speaking when you when you go places and make personal appearances and play professional music? They're approaching you and saying, "Look, it's, it's I, I'm I'm familiar with Super Train. Like, I need this. I I need to make sure I have a berth." It isn't even that people are approaching me and they are they basically have a small bag already packed. under their arm, not already <sighs> packed in the car under their arm, anticipating that maybe we're leaving now. And I'm like, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm selling t-shirts <laughs> after my rock concert. We are not leaving tonight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're not disappointed. They feel like, okay. I, you know, I knew, I knew I would, I, I knew that when super train leaves is not a thing That's, that you can that, know. See, this isn't, it, it'll, he'll come like a thief in the night. It's uh that's sorry that's from the Bible but um but 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 that's the other side of Super Train it's like you can prepare all you want but you'll never really be ready yeah well you, that's exactly right you're not mm. ready you just it comes and you go hmm yeah yeah I'd hate to see that guy go though he seems pretty cool the thing about the thing about the Dominican brother is uh, he Dominican I, I saw some letters after his name that I didn't recognize I, have you verified with the authorities that he's an actual monk. I mean, anybody can say "br" in front of their name, you know. Yeah, that's true. You can that's be Brother true. John. I believe that he is. Uh, I believe that he is what we uh, what we call the, uh, a black friar. Mm. Uh, but it may it may be that he is. <laughs> like, may, is, that, is that like an anti paladin? <laughs> um, I, I I I you know I don't. He may be a Benedictine. I don't think so, though. He doesn't talk like one. I'm gonna find out what the fuck's up with this guy. But anyway, I you know. The thing is, like for instance, one of my good friends from high school is a uh, he. Uh, he he ended up uh, he ended up going uh, uh, becoming a lawyer. He clerked for Rehnquist, this guy, and now he teaches law at uh, at Notre Dame. 
and he is what we call a Catholic legal scholar. He <laughs> talks about the law. He talks about American <laughs> law, but through the lens of Catholicism. So he is interested in the moral uh, implications of American law from a Catholic perspective. Hmm. And he is a constant check on me because he sends me emails and he is a pompous ass. <laughs> and he he delights in arguing with me because he is a, you know, he has been an arguer his entire life. He was an arguer when he was 15. He was an arguer when he was at Duke. He was an arguer when he was a fucking Rhodes Scholar. And then he went to Yale Law and argued there. And then he went went to the Supreme Court as a clerk. And I just, everything about him makes me Mm. mad. Super frustrating. The fact that he walks the land still makes me mad. And the fact that he writes me, that he writes me contemptuously (laughs) and describes all the ways in which I am wrong. Uh uh, When in fact he is wrong. Is a, is, a, is a constant thorn in my shoe, that, that, that he exists at all. And that, not only that he exists, but that he will one day probably get appointed to something by somebody. He will probably end up on the bench somewhere. Now, as you know, I want to be a retired senator and a retired general yes. of the Army and a retired head of the CIA. But there's, there's one thing that really beats all of that and that is being on the bench on the bench you're uh you're the last word on the bench Mm -hmm. there you are on the bench and you are there forever and one day this is going to happen to this friend of mine Mm. who is a constant thorn in my shoe insufferable he is going to get appointed to the federal judiciary and then i'm going to Wherever I am, I'm going to feel it, first of all. It's going to be a ripple. I'm probably going to be sitting in a bathtub somewhere in Hungary, and there's going to be a ripple across the surface of the water, and I'm going to go, what was that? And it's that, it's that this friend of mine got appointed to the federal bench. And when it happens, I just, am, I, I just I have, no, I have no context for, for how I'm going to react. Hmm. Because then he will be enshrined. He will be ensconced. He will be in all of the things. He's gonna. He's, people are gonna paint him. He mm-hmm. he will probably be uh, engraved. His name will be engraved in things. <sighs> Stadiums will be named after him. Well, uh, probably uh, fellowships. Oh, fellowships. Well, uh, maybe a maybe a fellowship. Let's hold off on stadiums. But are you yes. telling me you telling me that the, 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 like if you're in the Supreme Court, you don't get a stadium named after you? Maybe a little league stadium. Maybe you know what you know. Maybe like. Yeah, maybe some kind of maybe like a horse ring. Hmm. Where, but I anyway. This is a, this is the thing that torments. John, me. I'm so, sorry. That must dog you. It does. It does. Did you did you perceive? I know him a as, lot of accomplished people. You perceived this, him as a peer at one point. You thought this is a fair horse race, right? What do you mean at one point? Sorry. Hmm. Yes, um, he, he was a. We were we were peers, mm-hmm. and and part of you know part of being peers. Involved us each thinking that the other one was less intelligent and less useful to the world. Critical. But now, but now he has done all the things. He has done all of the things that you do 
in our culture to indicate that you are he has he has accomplished all the accomplishments mm. and then one day he will get the final accomplishment which is that he will get this appointment an appointment mind you he does not yeah. run he does not beg for your for your vote your pathetic electorate it's it's really as close as we get to europe Right. Some, somebody comes in and, uh, there's a lot of hand waving and there's some, uh, some, uh, some incest gets, uh, right. gets, uh, spread around. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's what they call it. Right. The, yeah, um, they do the, some incest. the censures, is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then you get a robe, you get a robe, you show up and then you've got a fucking job. You're like, you're, you're, you're the Pope of justice. You make law. Uh, now it's not that you make law because that's what the Congress does. Oh no, does. no. Bigger than that, buddy. That's right. You're the arbiter. You judge. You fucking judge. You judge. John. You sit there and you judge. You judge John. based on your on your conscience and on the laws you understand it. Yeah, you hope. I mean, talk about a and fucking guy, miscarriage of justice, John. And this guy, this friend of mine, this accursed friend of mine, this Achilles heel of mine, will sit there and judge based on his understanding of the law and his own conscience as filtered through a lifetime of Catholicism. And Yale. And Yaleism. And Rhodes Scholarism. <sighs> and insufferability-ism. <laughs> and I have to sit here and take it. I have to sit here and look legally, at my... Legally. I have to sit here and look at my collection of hats and I have to say, mm-hmm, nice collection of hats, guy. Is it, is it partly that you feel your influence day by day waning that maybe by the time he's on the bench, that, that maybe the, the effect that you can have by like um, jabbing at him, it's not going to be quite as uh, pointed as it would have been 20 years ago. Well, because as you know, at, when you reach our age, you, the mind begins to atrophy. Yeah. Like, we are losing our acuity with, uh, you know, leaps and bounds. We are... Uh, my mental plasticity is like the greatest generation, which is to say that that every day, half of it dies. Yeah. <laughs> every passing day, <laughs> half of my elasticity goes away. Just as World War II veterans are dying 50% every day. It's depressing. It's terrible. And so, and this is also happening to my friend. And so... Yeah, but he gets a fucking robe. Yeah, he gets a robe and gets to sit up there with his, like, calcified... You ever listen to fucking Nina Totenberg read what those people are saying? They're not super duper bright. No, they're not. And they've definitely got a fucking agenda. They definitely do. It's so frustrating to me that, like, they're up there, you know, like the big uh, boss of the level, and, like, they're actually, I mean, like, road Scholar, good for you. I'm That's glad right. you got to travel. That's but, right. Like, nice slap on the ass. But, I mean, you know, no offense. I don't want to work ping pong. But, I mean, come on. Clarence Thomas? I mean, really? Well, wait a minute. Now, Clarence Thomas is... Yeah. He's, genu- he's genuinely... Yeah. He knows he's a pubic hair on a Coke when he sees it. He's genuinely a fucking tool. 
But you know, and the funny thing is, my dad's best friend was a federal judge who also happened to be an African American person hmm. by the name of Jack Tanner. Judge Jack Tanner, my father's best friend. My father's best friend since the first day of law school in 1940, fuck all, whatever it was, 1949. Jack Tanner and my dad were inseparable for, I can't even count how many years. You know, 60 plus years. They were best friends. And at a certain point in the mid-70s, Jack Tanner, Jack Tanner, who went to the Rumble in the Jungle with Satyakam, Satyakam, the exiled Indian chief of the Puyallup Indian tribe, Satyakam and Jack Tanner flew to the Rumble in the Jungle. Are you talking about the Muhammad Ali fight? Yes. No shit? With two brown paper sacks full of money that they that they somehow got through I, Tanner was his lawyer and Satyakam was on the run from some kind of like federal showdown with the federal cops he was ga- he was running gambling and cigarette uh, <laughs> he was running a cigarette racket or something like that and they threw as much money as they could put in two grocery bags and flew to Africa <laughs> To see this boxing match. So they were gone for a year. And somehow, and they got into the emerald trade at some point in Thailand. None of these stories ever made sense. I heard them my whole life. None of that makes any sense. It, it, none of it made any sense at all. They had these. They had this money in these But your father bags. had to suffer that. So, so Tyakum was like, like a six foot four Indian chief from Puyallup, and Jack Tanner was a five foot four black guy who was like his his attorney. It's like a it's like it makes Hunter S. Thompson. I was gonna say it, it sounds like a black exploitation version of Hunter S. Thompson. Doesn't even, it doesn't make any sense at all. And Tanner would say like, "Oh yeah, we were in Thailand, and it was you know right during the end of the Vietnam War, and there were all these guys selling emeralds, and uh, so we traded one of the bags of money for a for a bag of emeralds, but then somebody." rooked us out of it in a you know in some kind of uh like a singapore whorehouse or whatever and you're just listening to these stories like what are you fucking talking about but then he came back to america and jimmy carter appointed him to the federal bench (sighs) jimmy carter appointed him to the federal bench because he was because tanner was recommended by the u.s senator from washington state and the rest of my dad's life he had to suffer the fact that this guy, his best friend, who had, who was a, a, an absolute living maniac, a pathological liar, and also like somebody who legitimately did get into the emerald trade in Thailand, <laughs> as far as I can tell, that he was now a federal judge. He was a federal judge. And they would meet four times a week. For Chinese food. Anytime they would get into an argument, Tanner would just, he would just give my dad all the line in the world. And my dad would just, he'd work himself out into this thing. And then eventually Tanner would be like, well, David, I mean, I'm a federal judge. Oh, come on. So, so you know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Get a about. fucking clue, counselor. That, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It was the, it was the, they played that game for, for 35 more years, 40 <gasps> more years. 
Now, now how did your dad handle that? I mean, that must not have been... well. He no. did not handle it well. My dad was in a constant state of furious agitation. And you saw that. You had to live with that. I had to sit at the table and listen to listen to these two guys go at it. And 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 you know, Tanner and they're telling telling stories about World War II. Neither one of them ever did a goddamn thing. <laughs> Tanner, his job in World War II, he was some like five stripe sergeant. His job was to drive those landing craft. Like he was driving amphibious landing craft into into Iwo Jima. While my dad was flying overhead, you know, spilling coffee on him on his pants. <laughs> And they would argue Shooting about zeros with the forty fives. Yeah, they would argue about World War II until the cows came home, and I would sit there at the table and I'd be like, "Neither one of you knows a fucking thing about World War II." Like you were, you, you both spent the whole war uh, in in the mess hall. That's you know, I'm the expert in World War II here, and then Tanner would be like, "Well, one of us is a federal judge." Yeah. So, and and game over. It's it it is the thing that it is the it is the. That's a shitty fucking Trump card, but I guess it's, it works. It's the ultimate Trump card. And yeah. the problem is, I have a friend, and one day he is going to, the one day he's going to wake up and he's going to open up the newspaper, or there's, the phone is going to ring, and it's going to be a congratulatory call that somebody has appointed him to the uh. federal bench. And wherever I am, my, my lettuce is going to go limp. <laughs> at, <laughs> do, you never, way, do you have any way to undermine him? I'm never going to get over. Well, how do you undermine him? Because he's a because he's a Catholic theologian yeah. at a Catholic university. He does not. I am sure he never touches himself in a sinful way. No, you know what I mean. He has mm-hmm. no skeletons in his closet. He believes he's a true believer, and this is the problem with. The, I think his skeletons are all down in the rectory. This is our problem with our East Bay uh, 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 Dominican, our bra, which is which is that he is a that he is a true believer, and so in a sense. You know, he is morally unassailable as long as, you know, as long as he he is morally unassailable because he lives in a castle and it is a castle uh, of his of of belief. It is a castle of belief. And so John John, is so frustrating. Those guys are so far away from the runway level. I mean, we are trucking across America on a train that is not riding on a track of belief. It is riding on a track made out of crushed human skulls. And belief, you know, belief is nice. And it, 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 because we are going to need we are going to need some poetry in the dining car mm-hmm. to drown out the sounds of of all those bones cracking under our train. John John if you decide and this is your train like I say but but if you decide to keep any of the judiciary in place what will be your system for vetting? You know like like for example when they downsize like you come in here and you got to you got to apply for your own job again. Mm-hmm. Like what are you going to do to if you choose to keep any of the infrastructure in place how will you make sure that the right people are in there? Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a sense of that? Question. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, no banjo players. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Banjo players. Nope, no banjos. Right out. Can't be trusted. Is it is it, is it just something about banjos in particular? No, 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 banjos are fine. If you are a guitar player or some or just like an innocent who picks up a banjo and planks along on it. Oh, right, like a victim. Know, not, a victim. Banjo is not the problem. It's just like a bagpipe isn't a problem. Right. It's the banjo players and the bagpipe players. I see, like an assault rifle. Yeah, you don't. Okay. Cho- you do not choose the bagpipe, my friend. Chooses you. Well, yeah, 
Right. I'm not sure. Okay. No, no banjo. Sure. No banjos. Uh, what about Rhodes Scholars? Do you have a particular opinion? I mean, like I, you can't just reject all that out of hand because certainly amongst all of the of the fucktards who have become Rhodes Scholars, mostly because of connections. Let's be honest. Some of them might be useful. Well, I mean, I don't want to be all Pol Pot here, but if I if I could trace all the problems in America. If I could, if I could independently trace every single problem in America, that thread would would end up back at Yale. <laughs> Yale is the center of all everything that's wrong with America. Huh. I, I have no, I have no doubt that I could trace even the fact that sitting here in my room, I don't have any nine volt batteries for my rat pedal. There's some way I can, I can locate the source of that problem at Yale. I got, I got two reasons: skull and bones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to be Pol Pot. I do, no. I do not believe for a second that anti-intellectualism is a valid, like, go-forward strategy for Supertrain. Not at all. Yeah. We are not. An, it is not an anti-intellectual program. But yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think the Rhodes Scholarship is an intellectual program. I no. mean, I, you get through not- this, John. The kind of people who get fucking scholarships and grants and who get the, 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 uh, the, the, the fake... Uh, rails greased for them. Yeah. They're not doing anything special. No, you know they're the tanners. They're the tanners, and they got put, the bags full of money. We're going to put all the George Plimptons behind the train, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to run and run. And at oh. a certain point, some of that they're going to run. They're going to run some of that smugness off. <laughs> and when this when they when they run the smugness off, then they're welcome on board. You know that's what it is, and that's the mm-hmm. thing about the people that come up to me on uh, when I'm on tour. The people that come up and say, you know, that that kind of you know that offer offer the hand, and they're thinking to themselves, so they put they put the hand out, and they're thinking, is there a secret super train handshake? Yeah, that I don't know. They put the hand out there, and they're worried that there is a secret super train handshake, and they don't know it. But it doesn't inhibit them from putting their hand out like a gentleman. Yeah. And I shake their hand and they realize there is no super secret super train handshake. But there is no smugness in their approach. They are they they are approaching and and a lot of them are very smart people. They come at you with uh, respect and dignity. And with you know, with the with the humility that mm-hmm. that any human being should approach another human with. Yes. And if you if you do not approach people with that humility and an intrinsic humility, and this is the problem with people who are who are flush with belief, they lack that 10% of of needed humility because their belief like trumps their the their native humility, right? They they cannot they cannot allow for the possibility that what they think they know is wrong. They've and, um, they've excused in the giant pie graph of knowability. They've they've excused a lot of things because of their certainty, and that's made them uh, less respectful. There is there is an arrogance at the core mm. of every doctrine, mm. and Supertrain is a doctrine free juggernaut. Mm. It just eats and shits.
<laughs> what a terrible idea. Why do we do this? I don't know. No banjo players. <laughs>